Welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and today we are going to begin a mini-series of sorts on the topic of confession. And so I've got many sort of introductory thoughts on that to kind of get us going, but before, before I get going anymore on that, I want to bring in our other conversation partners for today. So today I am joined once again by Rachel. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Warren and Jason. It's good to be with y'all again. Yes, and Jason is, is joining us again today. Good morning, Jason. Hello, it's a beautiful day. The sun is out in the sky. It's nice and cool out. I'm hoping I can get done with all my uh, work so I can enjoy some time outdoors today. That's right. It's a good good time to, to be outside and be doing things outside. So mm-hmm. I think... Uh, in our Zoom conversation on Wednesday, I think Bill referred to the three of us as the three amigos. I don't know if that'll, if that'll stick or not, but I'm fine with that moniker as long as I get to, if I can take on the Steve Martin role, I'm, I'm good with that. So I'll, I'll be Steve Martin. Y'all can fight over who gets to be Chevy Chase. Well, I want to be Amiga. I, I would say I'm Chevy Chase, but... <laughs> well, there we go. You can be Chevy. <laughs> I am short. That works. We'll go with we'll go with that. Uh, so, we, as I said, we're going to begin a discussion today about confession, and we we anticipate this sort of being a multiple episode discussion. And we've talked about doing some different things. Um, we want to bring in some people from from other faith traditions and, and backgrounds as well, because we know this is a, a topic that probably looks different across faith traditions and, and depending on your, your background and things like that. But we're going to kind of begin this discussion today, and this is a discussion that others have, have kind of indicated an interest in, and, and so I think there's, there's a lot of reasons that, that I think this is a good discussion for us to, to engage in this format, and so we wanted to give it a shot. Um, and so let's, let's get going, maybe just kind of thinking, thinking about it very broadly kind of to start with. And, and as I said, I've, I've got a lot of um, thoughts around this, but I think one of the things that, that has really stuck out to me, this is something we've been talking about doing for a while and I've kind of, you know, thought I was kind of ready to do it. But the closer, to, the closer it came to actually engaging this discussion, I, I really be, became aware of I think how little I felt equipped to, um, to sort of engage this this discussion on, a, especially on a kind of a deep theological level, and that's probably not the best way to begin a discussion. But, but it's sort of been a recognition I have had, and and I think a recognition of the ways in which, at least in my kind of personal upbringing, and and connection to church and and scripture. It feels like something that has not necessarily been emphasized a lot, and and so I've I like I said I do have a lot of thoughts and and have some thoughts around it, but that's kind of at least where I feel like I'm approaching this from from a standpoint of of not really feeling like it's something that has been overly emphasized at least in my sort of own personal upbringing, faith, and even if I'm honest, the ways I'm kind of currently uh, practically exercising and, and living out faith, if I'm just going to kind of be honest with it. I'm curious from y'all's perspective, 
what, how are you kind of approaching this conversation? Or as we just kind of get into it, where are you kind of coming at this from? This morning, as I was thinking about this, I was feeling like we don't really have the authority to speak on confession if we haven't confessed ourselves. Um, and so I was just trying to spend time in my own confession and on behalf of, of all of us and just asking God to enable us to speak about it because we have confessed and received forgiveness from the Lord. So that's sort of my angle is I don't want to like put us up there and say like, oh yeah, we know all about this, um, but humble ourselves and say that we're learning. Absolutely. I like that. I also feel like um, whenever I think about a practice that is somewhat abstract and um and maybe even feels archaic at times i always want to get to what is the essence of what this is supposed to do whether it has to do with um you know whether it has to do with something i'm doing for my professional development or my personal development or my spiritual development I want to get at what what is the goal here? And when it comes to something like confession, um, I, I think that's an important factor, at least for me, to consider what is what is the goal of confession? Because I think in in my life it makes a big difference in terms of how I go about trying to integrate it into my life. Um, if I feel like the goal is just to do it, then I may do it, but it may be, um, it may be, it, it may not be achieving what God intends for it to achieve, what, what I think, um, we want it to do. And so I want to think about what, what is the ultimate outcome or what is the process of edification or, or, building of oneself or maybe tearing down oneself, whatever it might be that I want to engage in. And that's something that with confession as somebody who hasn't really been part of a faith tradition that valued that very much, or at least not in the same way that maybe other faith traditions have valued it. um, I, I feel is an important point to kind of wrestle with. And I have some thoughts about that, but I don't know that I have any real conclusions about it. That, that may be a common theme amongst us today. So this may just be a time of, of discovery and reflection and wrestling. I think that's a good way to think about it. That's uh, what podcasts are for, right? So, Absolutely. So why don't you kind of, if you've got thoughts there, maybe kind of get us going in that direction. What, did, what have you kind of been wrestling with as far as goals or, or desired outcomes sort of, of, of confession? What do, you, what do you see it as kind of producing within us by design? Well, I think it is a call to humility. I think it is a way to um, for us to check ourselves to see how spiritually focused are we? How focused are we on the will of God as opposed to our own, you know, earthly desires? Um, I think it is a way for us to um, look at what the look outside of ourself to, you know, hold the perspective of other people and, and attempt to 
you know, view our lives through the perspective, through God's lens. Um, so I think there are a lot of different aspects that, I think there are a lot of different aspects that we can incorporate into uh, confession that ultimately comes down to how do we get closer to God and God's will for our life. And, um, and so when, when I think about like, okay, how do I implement that? How do I take those kinds of lofty aspirations and put that into practice? I think it, a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to, um, am I confessing, like genuinely confessing and reckoning with my sins myself? Uh, so confessing to God aloud may be part of that, but also um, confessing to the other people in my life, either people that I may have sinned against or maybe just important special people in my life who I know can help keep me accountable or um, or who you know know my heart and may be able to kind of help me reflect on how what I'm confessing may, you know, not be living up to the the uh, aspirations that they or God may have for me. And so that that's one thing I think about. You know, I, I, I've always struggled with the aspect of, like, large public confessions. I know that um, in my younger years when I would see people come down the aisle up, you know, in, in church... And, you know, they would huddle with the preacher or an elder or something like that about, you know, some sin that they were convicted of. Um, I always kind of felt awkward about that. And and admittedly, part of it was, you know, I don't know that I had the spiritual maturity to really understand the power of what they were doing. Mm. Um, but I also just kind of felt like, you know, why is this my business? Why am I in the middle of of this reckoning. Um, why is this such a public, um, expression? And while I don't think that I have ever or necessarily will ever get to the point where I would feel compelled to do something that public, um, I I think I now have an appreciation for why people might do that in that they are, that that they value their faith community, they value their church body enough to turn to them to uh, bring them out of this state of mind, bring them out of this state of being, bring them out of of what they see as a very dark place in their life. And so I have an appreciation for that, even if I don't necessarily see that that's the way I would go about it. Right. But I, I think I would go about confession in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that kind of – you touched on, I think, several different aspects of, of, of what we could be talking about if we're talking about confession. Because there's, there's certainly the confession that we make you know, to God of our sin. There's co- the confession that we could make to each other. There's public confession. There's confession I could make to individuals. Mm-hmm. All, all types of, of different – levels to this that, that maybe we'll touch on some of all of those over the course of either this discussion or, or ones going forward. Um, but yeah, I actually had that idea of humility in, in kind of my notes and thoughts that, that it seems like part of the goal is, is it's almost this, um, you know, I've been thinking about rituals a lot with 
or my, you know, kind of study of Leviticus. And it does seem like a practice or a ritual that helps build humility within the one confessing. Um, and I think one that helps build trust that if, if there is mutual ability to confess within a church or a relationship, I think that helps to build trust and, and certainly accountability. Um, that to me, I think is one of the big, as far as what, what is hopefully produced or what is the goal of it, at least in relationship, that's one of the things that would seem to be big to me would be accountability. Um, and that, especially if it's something that I am really struggling to overcome, if, if I let someone in kind of to that part of my life, that I think part of the goal there would be for someone else to, to help keep me accountable to that. Um, and, and I think your, your, your church background and experience, Jason, is probably very similar to mine. Uh, Jason and I both grew up within Churches of Christ, and, and so as many listening to this may know, there, were, there was kind of a tradition amongst a lot of Churches of Christ for the sermon to end with this, you know, invitation to come forward. And, and confession of sins was, was sort of a part of that, but as I was kind of reflecting on that, um, even in that moment, Oftentimes, the emphasis, at least in my experience, was more on baptism. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and confession was kind of mentioned in that, but it was really all kind of pointed towards baptism. Well, I don't think that our, I don't think that our faith tradition necessarily emphasized public confession all that much, at least not as much as maybe other uh, denominations do. But when it was, I, I, I agree that, the, that the, uh, the call at the end of the worship was always emphasizing baptism. But when confession was mentioned or alluded to, it was usually associated with that time as well. And the right. few times that I saw those public confessions, it was usually at that point in time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that's what I was thinking was, you know, there, there are other faith traditions that would have kind of avenues available solely for the purpose of confession. And like the only avenue that, that was there in our upbringing was like really a road to something else, <laughs> mm-hmm. which which maybe you know kind of the goal as you said you know what is it supposed to produce but 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 even sort of within our liturgy of what we grew up with it was sort of pointed towards baptism and 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 the focus was not necessarily on confession itself and and what that was supposed to produce at least in my kind of upbringing and and thought and uh, so I'm curious Rachel because I know you you did not grow up kind of with that in that tradition. Um, how have you kind of experienced confession in a in a church and communal setting, Rachel? I think it has been emphasized in my Baptist Protestant tradition that we do not have to confess to a clergy person, to a priest or to a pastor, but that we are priests unto one another. So the priesthood of the believer is a big tenet of Protestantism and, and Baptist, um, Baptist faith. So that is something that has been shown like in our services a call to come forward for example in the church i grew up in we might have it was a large church so we might have at the front of the church 20 people women and men standing ready to pray with you and those might be deacons or just a woman who's strong in prayer Um, and so you might go forward at the end of the service and you might confess something to them and have them pray for you and they're not an ordained person or anything. So I think that that, that was the emphasis um, in our tradition is that we confess to one, one another, as James 5.16 talks about. 
um, confess your sins to one another in order that you may be healed. And I think that was the emphasis in my tradition. I, d- I didn't necessarily see it being connected to baptism. Um, our main come forward call was for salvation. So if you choose to be saved, then baptism was the immediate follow-up to that. That's good. So it sounds, I think, uh, similar, um, maybe with just kind of different different flavors. And I was I was reminded sort of as you were saying that I've I've been a part of churches or, or have kind of seen it happen where there are certain sins where confession is expected, um, but it can kind of be overlooked in in other parts of life. Yeah. And so, for instance, we were at a, a church at one point where where a guy, a member of the church, had gone through a very public divorce. Um, and he was basically um, not going to be allowed some certain places of leadership within the church again unless he publicly confessed and repented of, of his divorce, um, which always just kind of seemed odd to me that, like, we didn't require other people to do that with their sins, like with this sin. Yeah, I never saw I never saw people confessing for the sin of gossip. Or for the sin of pride. Right. You know? Yeah, so they're, they're sort of developed this idea that sort of public sins should be confessed for, but but the other stuff that just kind of goes on in your life is between you and God. The few <laughs> times that I remember those public confessions, it was always adultery or, or divorce, some, something along those lines. That it, it was, that seemed to be the only sin worthy of confession in my tradition. Yeah, it's the big ones. We <laughs> confess for the big ones. I don't think I've ever witnessed a public confession like y'all are talking about. I guess that just wasn't in our DNA as a church and probably partly because it was a large church. Sure, so yeah. So yeah. it just wouldn't be appropriate. But maybe in a church of like 50 people... That makes more sense. Yeah. Well, and the churches that that I had that it happened to when I that I went to is usually churches of around maybe three hundred to four hundred people. So not mega church, but a lot larger than the vine. And um, it was usually uh, it, it it was usually like someone just kind of doing it at the spur of the moment, or at least it felt like the spur of the moment, and it would be. Um, and it was always it was always very surprising because this wasn't something that happened a lot. You know, I don't know exactly how many times it, it happened when I was growing up. But, you know, I could probably, you know, if I had a video recording of my life, there might be at most five or six times when it happened. Um, but when it did, it was impactful to me and a little awkward and curious. And I never knew, like, how am I supposed to respond? What am I supposed to think of this? Yeah, and I'd, I'd be curious to hear from churches who don't do it anymore and how they made that decision not to do it anymore. I mean, we, we stopped doing it at some point here at, at the Vine before I arrived. And and I think a lot would probably be tied to those ideas that, that one, it just didn't seem to be very effective. Two, it, it, it just kind of made for awkward moments in the service. Um, and and I think those would probably be kind of the most, the ones that you would hear. But I think that and, and we've talked about this here, like the, the other, the flip side of that is that it took away the one place within our structure where confession was invited. Um, and so absent that, 
where is where is the invitation to confession and and what does that look like and where does it happen best and that may be a question for us to kind of keep in our heads as we go through some of these conversations um, maybe it is that that happens best in small groups maybe it is that that there's places to invite that more um, I like that idea that that Rachel was kind of speaking to of of the priesthood of every member and we are a you know a nation a, a church of, of priests in Christ and and certainly that language wasn't emphasized in, in, in a lot of my upbringing, but, but, but I personally like that idea and like the idea that, you know, there's nothing special about, you know, my role as a preacher or, uh, or your role, Rachel, as a, as a minister, as a preacher, or, or Jason, your role as an elder that sort of kind of, at least in our structure, kind of makes us special for someone to come and, and confess to, that, that people can do that within relationship and, and people can do that with people that they're kind of comfortable with or have, can have accountability with or, or whatever. And certainly we would be open to that, but I like that idea of sort of the community nature of, of being able to, to involve others kind of in that process. I feel like the most healing person to confess to is someone you are in relationship with rather than a stranger. At least it seems like from my life experience, the, right. the times that I feel the most relief after confession is when I've confessed to someone who knows me personally, who knows my heart and can speak grace over the struggle or who can like say, hey, like you need to to fight this better like you're not taking this struggle seriously you know someone who can like speak honestly to me or give me the grace that i need who knows who knows me um so that's i think what have been the most meaningful to me is like one-on-one -on -one personal confessions well and as a therapist i often see that that one-on-one -on -one confession may need to um involve the person or people who, you know, what you're confessing may have most directly affected. So most of the things that I feel convicted to confess, it's when I feel that I have um, harmed someone else, usually someone close to me. Um, when I have, you know, taken an action that was selfish, or that was uh, impulsive, that that caused some amount of emotional pain to another person. For me, that's that's probably the most common uh, thing that I feel the need to confess. And I, I truly believe, both as a Christian and as a therapist, that the person most in need to hear that confession is the person whom I've sinned against and the person uh, who was harmed by that, that, that they need to hear my confession um, not to exonerate me and not even necessarily to forgive me. Whether or not they forgive me is up to them, but for me to acknowledge to them and to myself in a very real and active way that, that I messed up, that I sinned, that I caused harm, and uh, I have to take responsibility for that. Yeah. And I think that would... You know, that's I know that's a big part of a lot of recovery programs, right, is uh, and they may word it differently and in, in kind of across different programs and, and structures. But that idea of of, yeah, confessing and making amends and um, and all that is, is certainly important in a lot of those programs. And 
we, um, we may in, in future conversations kind of dig into some more s- scriptures, but I kind of along those lines with what you were saying, Jason, something made me think of this, that, you know, there's that verse that I think Rachel has already mentioned in this conversation of in James five sixteen, where it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. But the word there, that's how it's translated in, in, in the NIV. The word that the NIV uses there for sin is not the word that is typically used for sin um, a, across the New Testament. And it's a word that is used much less, of, much less often, but that literally means to, to fall beside or near something. Um, which to me kind of, it's, it's almost like broader than, than sin. Um, and, and this idea of if, if I've done something that I need to make amends for, that, that I need to, uh, it could include sin that I need to repent of or, or whatever, that, that that's something I needed to go about doing for, for my own spiritual well-being, but also maybe for the, the sake of, of the relationship of, of the community of, of several other factors. And another factor that something that I really have been thinking about a lot and kind of thinking about this conversation is that for me, confession feels very much tied to vulnerability and and the ability and the willingness to be vulnerable with those around me. And and I think part of the reason that we struggle with confession is is because we struggle with with that. We struggle to be vulnerable with with others, maybe even with ourselves, uh, maybe between ourselves and God, whatever kind of level you think of confession at, I think that's a, a struggle that we have. And and so I think almost like in place of that, I think what we have kind of what we've done and what we've done a good job of doing in, in many cases is confessing things from our past that we've sort of already overcome or moved past. And and there's a time and place for that and, and I think there's that can be good. It can be a good way to sort of communicate what God has brought me through, what I've learned from my past, how God has delivered me from something. Um, all of those types of testimonies are, I think, are good. But if we're not careful, I think it can almost become, at least as I've been thinking about it, something like performative vulnerability, mm-hmm. <laughs> where, where it kind of gives the illusion of transparency without ever having to be really genuinely vulnerable. And I don't ever yeah. have to let you in on kind of the struggles that I'm having right now and risk fear of judgment or rejection or, or anything like that. And I can just kind of tell you, here's what I struggled with in the past, but look at how good I am doing now. And look at this place of strength that I have come to now. And, and so I think, like I said, I think that can be good, but I almost feel like it can be a, a detriment and a, and a barrier to us being truly vulnerable and, and, uh, and accountable to each other in the moment with what we're struggling with today, right now. Yeah, and I remember in college uh, being in accountability partnerships and accountability groups. And I, I, I remember thinking, okay, I don't want to talk to these guys about the things I'm struggling with. And so right. there, there became a, a set of what I considered to be acceptable sins to confess. Mm-hmm. And so that allowed, and it was things that, you know, I felt like, okay, everybody is dealing with this. It's not as big yeah. of a deal. I don't feel as much of an outlier or as much of a, a freak here. And so mm. I can confess these things and I can give that veneer of vulnerability, that 
that appearance of vulnerability, as you said, uh, without actually being vulnerable. I'm not actually confessing the thing, the things that I, that, that God is really truly convicting me of in my heart, um, that I am more or less just kind of giving you, uh, something to indicate on a surface that I'm confessing, but I don't really, I, I don't really feel the need to share with you my intimate uh, sins and my, you know, really shame, the things that I'm really struggling with. Yeah. I think that there's another reason that we, we don't confess our current struggles. And I think part of that is a lack of self-awareness. And <laughs> sometimes it's because I don't actually know what I'm struggling with right now. Mm. And I think that that comes from not spending time in the secret place with God, inviting him to search me and bring to the surface the things that I have blinded my eyes to. And so when I don't spend time alone with the spirit, welcoming him to reveal the ick and the yuckiness, I don't know what the what those things are. They're like blind spots to me. And so it's easier for me to confess what I've already come on the other side of because I've seen that it's already come to the light. The things that are a little bit more hidden, even to me, how can I bring them to others if I haven't allowed the spirit hmm. time to bring them up to me? Yeah, that's great. Well, but that I, that also indicates a a need that we may have at times to quiet our mind and quiet our life and our space in order to have that time of self-reflection. Sometimes that's, um, you know, we can allow ourselves to get so busy that we don't, you know, uh, quiet ourselves to hear the still small voice of the spirit that maybe if we were to stop and pay, uh, pay attention, we would hear. I know that there are a lot of clients that I have, a lot of students that I have who, you know, keep themselves so busy, at least in part, because they have some things in their life that they are avoiding reckoning with. Um, and so I think that that actually brings to mind the connection between confession and uh, having moments of quiet, or at least moments of stillness, um, that in order to confess, we do need to have that self-reflection. We do need to have that that time of um, intentional consideration of God's will in my life and how am I engaging with that? How am I maybe avoiding God's will in my life? And uh, And maybe in those moments are where we get that kind of conviction. And I feel like there are those sins that we confess often, the ones that we are aware of, that can become almost a veneer for what lies beneath that Mm -hmm. there's maybe I could say, oh, I'm struggling with lust. And I just like keep confessing this over and over again. But the heart issue is that I'm not satisfied in Christ, that I'm not finding fulfillment and love and everything I need from him. So that's the deeper issue. But I can just sort of say the symptom, which is lust. But there's some uh, there's a, a deeper sin issue at the root. That's an excellent example. I think that there are, yeah, there are certain things that we can confess, but maybe that that confession should be kind of a a, a call to look deeper. What is it that that this particular sin, or what is it that this particular confession 
is trying to alert me to? How might this be indicative of something else that I'm not addressing very well in my own life? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a great point. It is. And and what y'all are talking about made me think about this book that I've been reading for, for the sermon series right now called Liturgy of the Ordinary. I love this book. It's a great book. And it's very, if, if you kind of, especially where we're going with this conversation right now, speaks to a lot of, of these things. And uh, Tish Harrison Warren, it's a great last name. Uh, wrote this book and it's very practical. It's very practical, very easy to to sort of um, in, ingest and take stuff from. But she talks about in this book kind of about what you were saying, Jason, the struggle that we have of of kind of being just with ourselves and along with our thoughts. So she references this study. She's, uh, this was a University of Virginia study where she said there were uh, participants were exposed to a mild shock. And then, like, they reported that, you know, they, they didn't like this shock, wouldn't want to go through it again, and would even pay money to not have to go through it again. But then they're left in a room for 15 minutes of silence with nothing else in the room. Their phones are taken away, there's no noise, nobody else, and they're left in this room with a button where they can hit the button to, to get the shock again to be able to leave the room. For 15 minutes. All you have to do is sit there for 15 minutes. And it says two-thirds of men and one-fourth of women. So many more men than women, which probably makes sense. <laughs> but two-thirds of men and one-fourth of women in the study chose to voluntarily shock themselves rather than sit in silence. And, and you know, we have, we have so many options for filling our head and our time with things that we can convince ourselves are good, right? Not shock, not not, you know, impulses of shock and, and how easy it can become for us to do that, which is actually something. So we're recording this Friday. It's always weird for me on these days when we're recording on Friday, I'm preaching on Sunday, but this will come out on Monday. So I sort of referenced some of that in my sermon that, that came out this past Sunday. Um, but, but yeah, just our, our inability to, to sit and to, to contemplate and, and to pursue those times of, uh, of of quiet and of introspection can certainly be a hindrance to our even mm-hmm. even going down the path that would lead to confession. Are those times of silence something that the church should offer and encourage and provide space or an environment for, or is that something that we expect our members to do on their own time at home? Or what is the <laughs> what is the role of the church versus what the believer is doing on their own? Hmm. That's an excellent question. Um, I think at the very least, the role of the church is to guide the people in terms of how to go about doing that. How much of that actual activity happens at the church, I think, can vary from one faith tradition or one congregation to another. But I do think that there is a role that the church plays in um, kind of talking about that and... um, maybe helping individuals learn the skills that would bring that about. Because I do think it's a skill. It's something that you have to practice and you, you kind of have, and especially in the world that we live in today, um, it's not always easy to know how does one quiet their mind? How does one, um, you know, look for the divine in the mundane? Um, 
So I, at the very least, I think the church has a role to play there. You know, how much of it actually occurs within the church context? I, I don't know. That's a, a good question and, and perhaps merits further conversation about it. I think I would generally agree that, that to me it would be about equipping equipping and informing um, so that we are more able and and ready to do that in our own lives and in the in the rituals in the practices that we would pursue as as kind of part of our our individual lives um i don't know that would be my initial thought i do like that we that we have a prayer of confession that we pray every week I, um that to me kind of helps remind me of of our need for that type of thing and not only personal but but communal I, th- I think that brings in some of the communal aspect of confession which i think is is another aspect of this whole conversation and you know again thinking about leviticus in leviticus there are there's there's a lot of confession really i think within the context of leviticus that that within a lot of the the constructs of the sacrifices and and offerings is this sort of acknowledgement and confession of of sin and there's opportunities for that for individuals and for the community uh that if there there are there are um provisions for okay so if the community recognizes that that together as a people you need to confess and and be forgiven of sin this is what you do and and i think that's important for us as well as as churches as as christianity kind of on the broad scale because i think that helps to remind us of of the ways in which there are some things that can sort of happen systematically and broadly that that i may not think are an issue for me but that we may need to come to some communal discernment about and and i think that um you know things like discrimination and and racism and sexism would certainly be a part of that that i might be able to convince myself that i'm not a racist i'm not a sexist i'm not whatever but if there are things that are sort of in place that are per- perpetuating those things culturally or or within a structure then those are things that we communally need to to come to an acknowledgement of and and confession of and we've talked about some of those things as part of other conversations but but that's why i think communal confession can be very impactful and important as well because it it reminds us that that there are sins that are sort of individual in nature but then there are also sins and and shortcomings that can be systemic mm-hmm. and and can be much broader than just what i may personally be struggling with which of course that goes against the uh the american ethos of individualism and individual liberty um it it says well i'm not i don't have to take responsibility for the sins of other people well i think what the what the current context has been teaching me is that I kind of do that. I'm part of this community. I'm, I'm part of the beneficiaries of discrimination at times, whether I know it or not. And there actually is reason for me to, you know, confess the sins, maybe not of me as an individual, but of us as a community and of us as a, as a larger group. And there, there is, I I think there is power in that. I think that there is some degree of necessity in that. 
And unfortunately, that is directly at odds, I think, with a lot of our what we consider to be, um, you know, rights as people to be autonomous individuals. Um, We're not as autonomous and we're not as as isolated as we might want to think. Absolutely. Confessing the sins of others um, sometimes I think is easier because you can sort of not deal with your own stuff, but sometimes it's more difficult. (laughs) Right. Uh, Just one quick story. When I was in Kenya in probably 2007 or 2009, there was one pastor who felt this burden of the history of slavery, a Kenyan pastor. Mm. And so he came to our white pastor from America in front of a large gathering of people, probably 200 people, and called on him to confess the sin of slavery Mm. and to apologize as a white person, to apologize for slavery and what happened and for the colonization of Kenya by Britain. And our pastor's first reaction was, I'm not responsible for that. I wasn't even alive. (laughs) And yeah, it's true. He's not even from Britain. He did not colonize Kenya. He was not involved in slavery. But for that pastor, he needed to hear words of confession from a white person. And that would have been healing for him to bring uh, forgiveness and restoration and It was an incredibly awkward moment (laughs) because there was no preparation or anything given and and our pastor didn't know that that was coming. All of a sudden he's being asked to to apologize for history that he wasn't technically a part of. But looking back on that, I feel like that was probably an opportunity to bring racial reconciliation and healing to just confess, even if it wasn't you, (laughs) Um, mm-hmm. and just say, yes, this is a sin that has occurred in our world and I am sorrowful about it. And I, I wish that that is not the history that occurred and that needs to be forgiven in order that we can move forward in a ministry partnership. Um, and so I think it's important for us to, to acknowledge sins of our society and our community, even our history. Mm-hmm even if we had nothing to do with it. Because I think the more we say, it's not my fault, I wasn't there, I wasn't even born, I wasn't part of that, I don't live in that place, I don't think that way, I think that just polarizes the conversation more and um, causes more bitterness. So I feel like the more sin of others we can confess and take on as our own, as part of humanity, um, the more healing and transformation that God will be able to bring to our society and even within our own hearts. And I think that will be a healthy practice for us to confess our personal sins as well. Yeah, and I think that even if we say, well, I wasn't there, I wasn't even born, that's not even my country uh, that you're calling out. For some reason, you've been put in the place of representing this anger or this frustration or this hurt and pain. And even if that's unfair to you, that puts you in a very uh, unique position to provide healing to those people. And so I think it's, it's, and I I don't, I, I would, I don't think that I necessarily would have been able to do this myself in the moment, but maybe after this conversation, perhaps I could, um, but I think the uh, the right approach there is to say, yeah, 
even though I wasn't there, even though that wasn't me, I'm being put in a position to heal and to bring people back together and to, uh, you know, bring some some closure, maybe just a little bit, not a lot, perhaps, but at least a little bit of closure to people who are in pain right now. Um, And so even if I don't feel personal responsibility to that, maybe I can take this opportunity to provide that kind of healing to people who are hurting. And that to me feels like a a very unique and, and important opportunity. Amen. And you, you kind of, you know, that that get back gets back to me to where you kind of started us, Jason. Of what's the goal, right? Right. And and we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. <laughs> that's the ministry. That's literally the ministry that we are called to to pursue. That's the goal. And so anything that can help us achieve that seems to be worthwhile and and worth pursuing. And you know, you you said that you use that word represent. I, I may be the representative of of that kind of in the moment or something to that effect, Jason. Which made me think again about like that's what the priests were, right? And and that's what the priests were for the rest of the people. They were representative of the people as a whole, and so they are making offerings and um, and offering gifts on behalf of the people. Um, and so maybe part of our role as priest is doing that uh, for others who have come before us as well. And for those whose whose kind of legacy we we still exist within, um, and and who we may have benefited from in in ways that we don't necessarily know about, right? Um, but but we may need to to go about acknowledging. All right. Well, that's that's some scatter shooting on confession, and that's probably a good place for us to end conversation number one. So there's a lot more some, that we need to get into for sure. <laughs> There's a, there's a lot more with this, but I think that gives us kind of a good intro to it. And, and we, we cast a wide net. <laughs> and so we'd be curious to hear back from other people. Like I said, it's a conversation we want to continue over the course of, of a few episodes. So let us know what you think, what questions you have, what things you think may be good for us to pursue going forward. And we'll, we'll close this one out today. Let me close this in prayer and, and then we'll, we'll be done with this one for today. Our Father in heaven, thank you for loving us, for blessing us. Help us to see the ways in which we are are falling short, the ways in which we are not pursuing your will and your glory. Uh, Help us to be strong enough uh, and faithful enough to do the work, to recognize those things. Uh, Help us to be people who love each other uh, and who are pursuing reconciliation in each area of our lives. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.